Welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 24, where we will be getting real about intuitive eating and our relationship with food. Disclaimer, right now I hate food. First off, I would also just like to say I don't want to record this podcast. (laughs) So I suggested this earlier today, and... I didn't know the resistance I was being met with because it was via email. <laughs> but as we began you to You should record, have known just from the fact that I didn't immediately respond to your email. <laughs> I actually think it was like a good number of minutes. I might have even put a session in between before. Because I literally was on my head. My immediate thought, I read that email and you were like, is that okay? Can we talk about this? And my immediate thought was like, no, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this podcast. Which also reminds me about what a great friend you are and how responsive you are. <laughs> Yes. Because I know that if you don't get back to me within five to ten minutes, like something major is happening. I'm or busy. you're in class. Or, yeah, I'm in session or something like that. So, yeah, talking about body, well, food and body image has been something that has been a reoccurring theme with all of the clients that I work with. And Same. pretty much everybody that I know. And it's like food is such... You know, it's a communal part of what well, we do. It's such an integral part of our mm-hmm. lives. Like we need it you to have to live. Eat. Yeah. And yet it also is something that we, most of us, if not all of us, have very messed up relationships with. Mm-hmm. Or at some part in our life develop a messed up relationship with. Yeah. And going back to relationship relationships and how those are kind of ingrained in us from a young age same so do you have parents that maybe struggled with their own images or maybe said that you know a lot of kids will say like I was over exercised or I was restricted from food not knowing why I was being restricted from food Mm -hmm. um and I know in my house my mom I can say this because she'll admit to it she hates to cook She's not a Mm. terrible cook, but she hates to cook. She hates to think about, like, what is it that I'm going to make? So we always had, like, a lot of casseroles or, like, that meat, vegetable, potato kind of Mm -hmm. meals. And so I never learned. I thought that that was a balanced diet, and I never learned, like, exactly eating to what your body needs until I was much, much older. And I'm still learning a lot. Well, I think you get... get Everyone gets lots of mixed messages, and one that I, I actually can't remember if this happened to me, but I was reading it in the intuitive eating book, which we'll get to talking about, but I was reading about this idea about understanding these mixed messages that we get in our upbringing. And so one of them was, the question was asking like, did your parents or anyone in your life require that you finish all the food on your plate disregarding fullness? And did you also then get a mixed message where you were told you eat too much or you're Mm -hmm. too big Mm -hmm. or you need to not eat as much? and then still are told that you have to clean your plate, which happens. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened a lot that I realized really impacted me and I didn't realize it until I kind of started analyzing myself was when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money initially growing up. And so we always ate at home for the most part. Mm-hmm. And when we went out as a treat, we would go to McDonald's. So fast food, in my eyes, became treat yourself. Right. And so anytime I wanted to treat myself, it also was very few and far between. And so we often didn't get to eat it very often, maybe yeah. once a month, if that, maybe once every two or three months. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time that we were allowed to eat food like that. And so... Ours was every week because that was my dad's day. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom was working on Sunday and was like, great, we get to go to McDonald's because... Our dad's a, here, yeah. A special treat. Mm-hmm. Well, and so that how that has framed in my mind that like when I am feeling like I want to treat myself, 
the first thing that I think of is I want to go to McDonald's or Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or something like that because I don't associate. I want to treat myself. I want to go to a nice restaurant and get like a nice grilled salmon with a side of steamed vegetables and rice. (laughs) Like that sounds delicious. But when I want to treat myself, I want to get greasy fast food. Right. Fast and quick. And so those kinds of things that, Mm -hmm. again, those weren't done maliciously. Well, even I was leaving the gym one time and our coach was talking. He was like, you know, great job and go ahead out and get that blizzard or your french fries or whatever you want. And it's like we can't trade physical exercise for calories. And that's not a very fair trade. We were talking earlier about when you're thinking about what it is that you're consuming, you're not really... I don't know. I think we overestimate the good that we do and we underestimate like the bad that we do. I was told by a personal trainer in the past that 80% is diet and 20% is exercise. So you could have a kick-ass diet and not really exercise. And exercise definitely has a lot of mental benefits and does help get you toning and shape. But it's not, I exercise so I eat. And I had that mentality when I had lost a bunch of weight after... um, my marriage and I had that mentality it was like oh well I run so I can just eat whatever mm-hmm. that's not well really and there's the a lot of weight loss programs out there that do that that actually allow you to substitute exercise for more food mm-hmm. and some of the weight loss programs that I had done some of the dieting programs that I had done um, earlier on in my life were like that so there would be times when I would be out of the amount of calories that I could have and it's like oh but if you exercise more then you can eat more and it is it really screws with your mind because there is a there is only a point to which that works and there is only a point to which you know for me being someone who never really exercised very much in my life at least not consistently Mm -hmm. once I started consistently exercising the weight would literally fall off of me and but that only got to so far once my body got really used to that and much of it was yep much of it was cardio Mm -hmm. right and so once my body got used to that I actually started gaining weight back even though I was still exercising the same amount and really not changing much of how I ate Mm. and how frustrating is that well not only that but like it completely screwed with my mind Uh I felt like a failure I felt like I had messed up well and I know you and I have talked in the past pretty extensively about how time consuming that oh is. Oh my god, it took over, it took up all of my time. Mm-hmm. You got to plan around what is it that you're going to eat? When are you going to eat it? You it's know. stressful. And so it's not you for me I didn't get to enjoy my life. It became planning about that. It was it was anxiety producing when I couldn't work out. It was anxiety producing when I didn't know what to eat. It still is. Mm-hmm. I still get into the mindset sometimes where I know that I'm hungry. I don't know what I want to eat. And so then, again, immediately I think, what's easiest? Well, what's easiest is stopping at fast food restaurants. And I don't mm-hmm. want to eat fast food, but I also don't know what I want to eat. So what ends up happening is either I get the fast food, which I don't want, and also then feel bad because usually it doesn't make my body feel good, or I don't eat, mm-hmm. which is also not good. I find it so interesting that you're saying that because I have the exact same thing. It's yeah. like I, I, I literally don't put, know. Mm-hmm. I cannot put on my finger like what exactly I want to eat. And it's not just in those times. It's like at the grocery store yeah. or figuring out what I'm going to eat. And so for me, probably about a month ago, three weeks ago or so, um, I think you probably remember, I got very, very sick. And it was because, and it's the same 
story over and over again. I get super busy at work. Mm-hmm. I don't do the self-care that I need to do. I know what it is I need to do. I have friends that hold me accountable for that and yell at me when I'm not <laughs> doing what I need to do. But it's just like nonstop. So, okay, you're working 12 to 18 hours a day and you're right. trying to figure out, I don't have time to go to the grocery store. What is the healthiest option? Well, here in America, we don't have, we don't a, have lot a lot of quick, healthy options. So I was eating a lot of salads. There's like that core eatery mm-hmm. and Hello Bistro. So I was eating a lot of salads and I was like, this is great, pretty he- healthy. And when I was at our one office, like Subway is closer. So I would do salads, Subway. And then um, what I had done a workshop on a cleanse, doing an Ayurvedic cleanse. And I didn't have time, obviously, that week because I was eating salads and Subway and running yeah. around. So that weekend hit and I was so sick. It was literally like hitting a wall. I thought I was dying. Yeah. I was like, this is it. I'm going to die. And again, <laughs> my doctor was like, okay, you've been here before. And this is the same result of the stress that you're under yeah. and not getting the nutrition or the rest that you need. And it's just a you know recipe for disaster. So I thought I'm going to jumpstart you know, this detox, and I use the term detox lightly because you eat a lot. It's not like a juice cleanse or something like that. And it just like, I wasn't taking in sugar, caffeine, anything for like three days. And when the fourth day hit, I was like, thank goodness I have, kitchery is what it's called. Thank goodness I have this left. I call it like the dog food. Dogs eat the same thing every day. And I don't know if they mind it or not, but for me, it was so relieving to not have to think for three days about what I was going to eat, mm-hmm. when I was going to eat. And so my mind and my body really attached to that routine. And when it was almost over, I had that anxiety like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do I do now? Yeah. What if I eat this and it makes me sick? Or what if I eat this and it's not good? And so learning more through the Ayurvedic lifestyle, it's like the sister science of yoga, speaking with a couple people that do it, like your body has these different doshas and you should eat according to that or the season. So that like, it's not like you have this set body type and this is what you eat. But it's so interesting to me, what was out of balance for me when I looked at what I, the foods I should be avoiding, it was all nuts. And I would eat nuts throughout the day because I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's a good way to suppress my appetite. It's a quick snack. It's It's healthy. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't eat too much. But and so it was that heavy wet foods like lettuce. And what did I put on my salad? Every freaking thing that was on that list is something that was like not good for the state, you know, that my body was in. It was like chickpeas and cucumbers and tomatoes healthy stuff right like I think I'm eating healthy and I'm wreaking havoc on my digestive tract and it was just so eye-opening for me but like the main thing I took from it was everything in moderation yeah and it's just when you're in that mindset of I have to lose x amount of weight or I'm not going to be happy until I'm this size or whatever a lot of people that I work with are struggling a lot in their lives because they're they feel so trapped and that's just what like I feel trapped a lot when it yeah. comes to food decisions, even now. Every, every, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I find very difficult, and I told you about this the one day where I got this really nice meal from, because I'm the same way. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I don't have a lot of time. Uh-huh. I'm going to run to Gecko in the morning. Luckily, they have healthier options. They have mm-hmm. prepared food that's yeah. like not that bad. And so I got, it's like a chicken breast with orzo salad. 
And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I'd eaten it before and it was really delicious and I felt great about it. And I was like, this was really yummy. I'm going to get this again. And so I did and I ate it and I thought I was dying. Mm. Like my stomach was so upset and I mean, literally not to be TMI, but like ran straight to the bathroom kind of thing. And I was, I remember Christy came to my office and I was like, I am so frustrated right now. Like this happens all the time. I don't know what's going on. I ate this food before and it was fine. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we don't realize or we forget the impact of our mental state and the amount of stress that we have and just how much we have going on or are we disconnected from our body you know well, we've like, talked before about that brain gut connection yes it's a very real thing yes. and what you're putting into your body is and should be fuel but again when you're on the run there's just no i don't know there's no good answer well in those situations for me, nothing makes me feel more disconnected and more questioning about my relationship with myself than those moments. And so I think that's why the relationship that we have with food is so important because, you know, we've been talking about not only our relationship with ourselves in terms of self-care, but also the relationship with other people. Well, now we're kind of circling back to our relationship with ourself and, and the relationship we have with food and that those are so heavily connected Mm -hmm. that if you view yourself in a way that is negative because of how you look, because of what you eat, but also because of how you feel in your body. All of those things have a huge impact on your relationship with yourself and then how you relate to other people. Absolutely. Sometimes how you feel isn't reality. Totally. You know, like yes. I've had so many people like, oh my God, I'm so fat and I've gained so much weight. And I'm like, you I don't kind of yeah, look right. the same as you did a month ago. I'm not going to say that because that's discounting how you feel because I I get it too like oh I feel so bloated or I feel like I'm retaining too much water I'm eating too much salt which helpful hint um if you eat pink Himalayan salt it's not the same as iodized less retentive of water like no retentive well retention retentive (laughs) no retentive I think I might have made that up and yeah I didn't know that because it's always like high blood pressure you don't you want to watch your sodium intake but again, processed foods packed with sodium. Every time I go into Giant Eagle, it just like blows my mind because I usually shop at Aldi's or Trader Joe's. Yeah. So smaller, like more produce and things like that. It's just there's so many options. All these words thrown out there by the uh, diet industry, organic. Like, oh, it says organic on the package. So Good. it's better for you. So, and it's not. They could be, but not all of them just because it's organic. I think what's important to recognize is, is that there's there's no wrong way to eat because everyone is going to eat differently. Our bodies all need different things. What works for one person doesn't work for another. And the diet industry and uh, media and advertising has convinced us that there are good and bad foods. And so when we eat one way, we feel good about ourselves. And when we eat another way, we feel very horribly about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that internalization of those things really messes up again with our head. The other thing that I wanted to know that you said about like the bloating and the water retention is, is that for women, the hormonal changes that we go through every month with our period and also with ovulation. So pretty much every two weeks, if every two weeks you are feeling disgusting in your body, please know that that is a hormonal change and that I, I know I'm experiencing that right now. I said that to you, like, I just feel very uncomfortable. My stomach is distended. Like my clothes are uncomfortable on my midsection because I am so bloated. And it 
messes with your head Mm -hmm. in the most incredible ways. Like these clothes that I wore last week when I looked great on me, now all of a sudden I put them on and why do I feel so uncomfortable and why do I look different? Mm -hmm. And so the physical changes that we go through multiple times a month, it's just another layer of how that messes with our mind and how much weight we put on our physical appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of weight. Lots of weight on our physical appearance. Absolutely. And the intuitive eating, the thing that sticks out a lot of times when I talk to people about it, like you said, the food police, and then also giving yourself permission to eat whatever it is that you want. And people like panic. Their eyes get big. It's like, I can't control myself. I'm going to eat myself sick. Like, I just want more and more and more and more. I just can't stop. But when you take the time to step back, and that was the other thing. When I had these three days, you're eating three meals a day. They're spaced out, and you can, like, eat in between. So, again, it's, like, not one of those starve yourself things, so I wasn't starving. But I was also more mindful of when do I want to snack? Mm -hmm. Okay, when I'm at home and I'm at my desk... My desk is facing the closet where my snacks are. So I'm I, thinking about them more. Right. And you're in between emails or I'm a little bit bored or I just was I really hungry? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. So starting to watch those patterns was super interesting. And also like treating your body like a science experiment almost. Taking the time to have space between your meals so you know how foods affect you. Because you don't know, like, if you're not paying 100% attention. A lot of people are on the go when they're eating. They're not physically present. They're not mindful. So, Mm -hmm. again, that works against you, too, because your body's releasing all these stress hormones, and that's wreaking havoc on your metabolism. Just so that everyone who's listening knows, if they don't know of or haven't heard of intuitive eating, it is a approach to just eating, obviously, but also kind of, like, living your life the mindset really the mindset yeah. right behind that and accepting your body it is it was developed by a registered nurse and i forget that if she's, she's a, a social ther- worker a social worker a therapist so the two of them together wrote the book there are 10 principles to intuitive eating so we'll touch on all of the 10 principles and discuss each one because each one of those goes into already things that we've talked about, but also a little bit more about changing that mindset um, and going against maybe things that we've been taught, but also things that we receive from society and from mm-hmm. advertising and Media. the weight and the weight loss industry. I yes. mean, there are... Well, how much was that? Oh. $60 billion? It was something? a 60... The weight loss industry is a $60 billion industry that... It's the only business that produces a product that doesn't work but is not blamed for this failure. The consumers blame themselves. So we do things like skinny teas and wraps and supplements. And when, right. Yeah. And when they don't work, it's not like, well, this product didn't work. It's like, I failed. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with me. Or I didn't Look at do all these right. people with their fabulous results. Right. How come I failed when they succeeded? Yeah. And like, it's false advertising, unfortunately, is really what it comes down to. I think that, like you said, going through the 10 principles would be kind of useful. Yeah. If I could... Start with the first one. I'll start with the first one. Yeah. And I'll read like their quick little synopsis of it too. So reject the diet mentality. That's what we were were just just talking about that. Touching Mm -hmm. on before. Throw out the diet books and magazine articles that offer you false hope of losing weight quickly, easily, and permanently. 
Get angry at the lies that have led you to feel as though you were a failure every time a new diet stopped working and you gained the weight back. If you allow even one small hope to linger that a new and better diet might be lurking around the corner, it will prevent you from being free to rediscover intuitive eating. And I do also have to say, so many people want a diet to jumpstart absolutely their healthy li- and it's or just or to get back on track mm-hmm. like i was doing well and i need to get back on track so i'm going to do this diet or cut out this food or do those things and this is something that i struggle with a lot because i work very hard to reject the diet mentality like i said i've done different diets a couple times in my life later on really i didn't actually do organized like I'm on a diet kind of until college grad school my sister started doing Weight Watchers and so and she had really good results Mm -hmm. and so I was like I want to do that too Um, and that kind of jump-started all that prior to that I didn't do any dieting but since then like it's kind of just when it said you know that you have to stop letting that little hope of maybe the next thing will come Mm -hmm. out you know I see someone on my Facebook page being like oh my gosh I started doing this weight loss drink and it's so amazing and part of me is like what if that works yeah like there's always that part of me um or it's or it's this kind of workout or this kind of thing or maybe I just need to go back to counting calories or and it's so hard to get out of that Oh yeah, well, and it all comes from a place of shame. Like, I'm not worthy. I'm doing something wrong. I'm I'm bad. I'm not enough. I'm fat. I'm ugly. Like all of these messages. Well, and Brene Brown talks about that. We've talked about her a lot. Talks about it in her Daring Greatly book, and she also also talks about it in her Netflix special. That for women, the top two things that we are shamed on is parenting. Parenting. So us as mothers and our weight. Mm -hmm. Those are the top two things that we are shamed on. And so the fact that the majority of women's issues with themselves revolve around whether they are worthy enough as a mother and whether they are worthy enough as a woman because of their size shape how they look all of those things that's where the majority of our shame and our scarcity the not enough belief comes from and i don't think any woman would fight anyone on that oh no absolutely and that feeling of not being worthy is just like adding on more layers so when you're talking and we'll get into eating disorders further down the road but like some people pack on weight to protect themselves if they're coming from a traumatic experience and also different traumatic experiences i want to disappear Mm -hmm. so i'm going to use food as a way of controlling my weight it's the only thing that i have control over so again like when shame's coming up in your life it's like hmm who am i and do i trust myself to make good decisions yeah So the second principle is to honor your hunger. Keep your body biologically fed with adequate energy and carbohydrates. Otherwise, you can trigger a primal drive to overeat. Once you reach the moment of excessive hunger, all intentions of moderate conscious eating are fleeting and irrelevant. Learning to honor this first biological signal sets the stage for rebuilding trust with yourself and food. So that's where like Christy, when you were talking about people, when they think about you can eat, giving yourself permission to eat anything, that that's the fear is that like, oh my God, but I'm going to never stop eating. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that yes, you will because nothing lasts forever right. even eating well and carbs i know oh my gosh carbs have gotten such a bad rap yeah poor carbs they're so good <laughs> right. but well yeah. and that was the thing when i got to have my first meal and bhavna and i were talking and she was like just eat what you want and i was like okay so i went to the store and i got 
chicken breast to grill, broccoli, and mashed potatoes. And I was like, oh, but I ate mashed potatoes. I, it's, it's totally like, fine. What the heck? Like, it's, it's fine. But and did you... So here's the thing. So you weren't eating that kind of food. Mm-hmm. Did you st- never stop eating it? No. I, <laughs> I didn't eat everything that was on my plate. I felt like I was full. And again... Everything in moderation. It's hard to believe, I think, because we've been so trained to believe one way mm-hmm. that, like, if you allow yourself a little bit, you're going to want all of it. Sure. That when we do eat that, whatever that forbidden thing is, we just want to eat all of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Number three is making peace with food. Call it a truce. Stop the fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. If you tell yourself that you can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation mm-hmm. that build into uncontrollable cravings and often binging when you finally give in to your forbidden food. Eating will be experienced with such intensity, it usually results in the last supper overeating and overwhelming guilt. Guilty. Everybody is. There so. are certain people that I know that are always starting their diet on Monday. And it's kind of like... And then their weekends are there yes, like... Yes, yeah. it's like, why are you eating all that crap if you're just going to try so again like that's we're stuck in our head about what our goals are versus well we also get that mentality that like okay so maybe the weekend i'm really good during the week and the weekend hits and something slips because oh we're having a party or there's a night out or we're going to a restaurant and so i end up eating something that maybe again i don't think that i should eat and because i haven't made peace with food I have that food fight. I, yeah. I do not give myself unconditional permission to eat. And so then it creates that, well, if I've done it once, it's an all or nothing thinking. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. full force, 100% all the way in. If I'm going to eat it, I'm going to eat it all. I love that you said that because multiple <laughs> clients that I'm working with right now cannot get past that part. Yeah. And when you give yourself all this permission and you're eating multiple fast food places during the day and this and that it's there's something deeper going on there and if you're working with a therapist you should absolutely give yourself full permission and then look at what your patterns are look Mm -hmm. at where this is showing up how this is showing up in your relationship again are you disappearing from life are you protecting yourself like there's something deeper going on if you really can't control yourself but most of the times it's just like we're in our head like Mm mm-hmm being hard on ourselves. Totally. So the fourth principle is challenge the food police. Uh, scream a loud no to thoughts in your head that declare you're good for eating minimal calories or bad because you ate a piece of chocolate cake. The food police monitor the unreasonable rules that dieting has created. The police station is housed deep in your psyche and its loudspeaker shouts negative barbs, hopeless phrases, and guilt-provoking indictments. Chasing the food police away is a critical step in returning to intuitive eating. So this is where like the active work, a lot of times this is what happens in therapy, is we're learning to come back at the thoughts that are deeply ingrained in our head. Um, I still have to do this on a daily basis. I have thoughts that's like, maybe I think, ooh, this happened today. I was like, oh, I have a break from three to four. And I brought enough food for one meal, but I was in the office long enough to have two. And I was like, ooh, I have a gift card to Wendy's. I'm going to go to Wendy's and get some food. And immediately I thought, I want chicken nuggets and a baked potato. That's, that's just what I wanted. And I was really excited about it. And then I started to think to myself, oh, it's fast food. You know, and like the judgment that came with that. And that, again, fast food equals bad. And that, 
you know, even though I'm eating a baked potato, it's still, again, like it's the carbs or it's this or it's that. Well, I'm putting butter and sour cream on it. Who cares? It's what I wanted. I didn't overeat. It was delicious. <laughs> I was like, this baked potato is so good. And it's exactly what I wanted. And so being able to talk yourself back off of that ledge that those deeply rooted um, beliefs that we have deep in our mind um, really force us to the ledge. And so being able to come up with what is it that you need to say to yourself so that you can talk yourself down out of those moments is really important. Well, and not using this as an excuse to talk yourself out of something, but use my salad as an example. I was eating a damn healthy thing and it was wreaking havoc on my body. So again, like you don't know what's going to be good and what's not going to be good. So spending all that time beating yourself up, not worth it. And that's where like the challenge, challenging the food police to even identify what is good and what is bad. You know what I mean? Like Right. And we're not saying just go all out and eat things that are super unhealthy that are, it's going to make you sick. So again, you said balance, moderation. moderation. And that's also like when we start to make peace with food, when you start to honor your hunger and you reject that diet mentality, you're not going to want crap all the right. time. It's, you, you, and anybody who's gotten healthy knows you lose a taste for it. You do. And also you do still want to eat it sometimes and you do eat mm-hmm. it and it's delicious when you eat it. But also you realize that eating it all the time has an impact on your overall feeling in a whole, not just physically, but also mentally. Yes, and that actually really leads into respecting your fullness, listening to the body signals that tell you you're no longer hungry. Observe the signs that show you you're you're comfortably full. Pause in the middle of a meal or food and ask yourself how the food tastes, what it is your current fullness level is. Again, not waiting until you're starving, shoving Mm -hmm. down a bunch of food, and then feeling sick afterward. Also, not eating on timelines which is also really hard. Yeah. And that's something that I would do too, is just that like, okay, I need to eat every two to three hours. And I would do that even if I wasn't hungry, because that's what I was, that's what the meal plan that I was following right. said or something like that. The next one is discover the satisfaction factor. The Japanese have the wisdom to promote pleasure as one of their goals of healthy living. In our fury to be thin and healthy, we often overlook one of the most basic gifts of existence, the pleasure and satisfaction that can be found in the eating experience. When you eat what you really want in an environment that is inviting and conducive, the pleasure you derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. By providing this experience for yourself, you will find that it takes much less food to decide that that's enough. Just watch any of the food shows. Or have you... Do oh, you yeah, how they, sa- yes, how, how they savor yes. food. And if you're watching Queer Eye, which I'm just such a fan. Oh, my God, I love Queer Eye. So and good. it's so simple to have something that's healthy. And it's so much more pleasurable if you are taking your time to prepare it and then eating it. There's just, like, it's this whole experience. But this also connects with mindful eating. So even if you think about, and I've done this with people, chocolate, desserts things like that. Things that people will categorize as bad. They're not bad foods. They just are things that we have to eat mindfully. And if we do, we'll be much more aware of that satisfaction factor and also be able to honor our fullness. So all of these just connect with one another. If you sit and actually savor a piece of chocolate, the smell, the the taste, 
letting it melt on your on your tongue. I encourage you, if you've never done this, to do this experience where you actually use all of your senses to eat a piece of chocolate. And that you will find that after eating one Hershey kiss, a very, very tiny or one little nugget, you're satisfied. Most people do not need to eat more than one, two, maybe maybe three. But when you're taking that long to eat something that is that rich and enjoyable, you realize that the experience that you have really impacts whether you're sated or not, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, and I think that that leads into honoring your feelings without using food. Yes. So we all have lots of feelings all the time. And I was just describing before, like being kind of bored or mm-hmm. not, you know... I mean, I know just that... Just needing a little bit of a break. Like, mm-hmm. so I could walk outside, get some sunshine, let the dog out, or I could walk to the cabinet and mm-hmm. have a couple of pretzels. So find ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve your issues without using food. Anxiety, loneliness, boredom, anger are emotions we all experience throughout life. It has its own trigger. It has its own appeasement. So food is not going to fix any of these. It may comfort you in the short term, distract from the pain or even numb you into a food hangover, but it won't solve the problem. If anything, you're eating for an emotional hunger that will only make you feel worse in the long run. You'll ultimately have to deal with the source of the emotion as well as the discomfort of overeating. I mean, so this is true of any addiction. I mean, this is the kind of like what fuels addiction is avoidance of emotion. Uh So it's not a bad thing to numb, avoid, and distract. But when we do that all the time, and so when we emotionally eat or we emotionally drink or use drugs or shop or sex or work or anything, right? If that's what we do and we're always avoiding our emotion or frequently avoiding our emotion, it perpetuates the problem we have to deal with our emotions they don't go anywhere and certain addictions become less than other addictions correct you know what i mean like if you're overworking or you're overeating like that tends to be more socially acceptable than some of the other ways so i feel like people need to start talking about these things because again with shame and our friend Brene brown Mm -hmm. will say it's connection and belonging that builds the resilience against shame. So if you're isolating yourself or you're blaming yourself or you're blaming other people and you're disconnected, you're going to have a much less likelihood of being successful when it comes to these things because you're not talking and connecting with other people yeah. who are probably sharing the same thing. Totally. The next principle is respect your body. So it's important to accept your genetic blueprint, just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size six. It is equally as futile and uncomfortable to have the same expectation with body size, but mostly respect your body so you can feel better about who you are. It's hard to reject the diet mentality if you are unrealistic and overly critical about your body shape. Mm -hmm. This is something that I think, again, every single person struggles with because we all look at people around us, our friends, family, strangers, coworkers, and we're like, I wish I had her fill in the blank, or I wish I looked like that. I know guys do it too. I wish I had a six pack like that guy, or I wish my arms looked like that, or I had this person's, sometimes it's not even like body features, but like, I wish I had that color hair, or I wish my face shape was like this. And nowadays, again, with like plastic surgery, there are things that are a quick fix, but when we just focus on fixing the outside, it really doesn't 
work in reverse, right? So if we're having internal issues or emotional issues and we're thinking that they're going to change by either losing weight or getting surgery to change our external appearance, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Doing those things does not then absolve us of the emotional struggles that we have. Yeah, and I really appreciate doctors who are honest with people about that because in the past maybe like seven, eight years ago, I had considered, oh, maybe, and I have clients who have said, like, maybe I need lipo, maybe I need, like, a breast reduction, maybe I need a breast enhancement or something, and so many doctors would jump on that opportunity for just another patient, but, like, my doctor and others that I know said, um, maybe you should dig a little bit deeper and come back to me if you have gone through all the you know phases of wanting to change something because and at the time I was going through my divorce and I was like is there something about me physically that Mm. I can change to make me feel better Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't about like attracting other people it was about like I just feel so bad right now and it's like yeah yeah like you just went through a lot of shit and you should probably take some time to just like take care of yourself but we don't do that emotionally no like if you have the flu at some point you probably will push through a day or two of work because mm-hmm. let's be honest we all do that's that. what we all do and um you look at your emotional things like hey i need to say no to more things i need to relax at home a little bit more like give yourself that opportunity yeah so the next one is exercise and feel the difference No kind of militant exercise. Just get active and feel the difference. Shift your focus on how it feels to move your body rather than the calorie-burning effect of exercise. If you focus on how you feel from working out, such as being energized, it can make a difference between rolling out of bed for a brisk morning walk or hitting the snooze alarm. If you wake up, your only goal is to lose weight. It's not a motivating factor in a moment of time. Absolutely. Disclaimer, I will never not hit the snooze for a brisk morning walk. I just know that's not me. (laughs) I don't want to. I've woken up really early in the morning to work out if I really absolutely have to. But I know for me that optimally it's maybe 9 o'clock or maybe sometimes it's after work. And just know what works for you and what exercise works for you. Because if you're saying, like, I hate exercise, all of it. You Mm -hmm. probably haven't considered what is considered exercise. Well, not only that, but also I don't even call it exercise anymore. I just call it movement because for me, when I think about exercise, I think about very specific things. And we've talked about this before. I think when we had um, Allison on, Mm -hmm. we were talking about exercise and how in my mind, I was always like, oh, I hate exercising because for me, I always thought about running or riding a stationary exercise bike or like that in in the gym right in my mind not even just being in the gym but doing those specific things like that was exercising to me yeah and from my standpoint when i was at the gym that's what it felt like work yeah i would walk in and like click my tag like i was checking in for work and i was there to like some people love that it wasn't really my thing yeah well i think that's the thing is like once you find something that you actually love and enjoy it doesn't it doesn't feel like work. It de- to me, it doesn't feel like exercise. So for me, I like going to the gym, but to lift weights. I mm-hmm. don't stay away from the treadmill unless I'm doing like walking for five minutes to warm up. I don't use any of the cardio machines. I really like to go and lift weights. And so I will wake up on a Saturday at seven in the morning to meet my friend at the gym at 730 mm-hmm. and to lift weights for an hour because 
I really look forward to that. Mm-hmm. I would have never expected <laughs> that that would be something that I do. Nor well, would you're I ever... getting community from it, too. Like, I am also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I go alone, mm-hmm. and I'll do that, too. I think it's just important to be able to find things that you like. The other thing that I think is hard is just that when we can't get that exercise, that we, again, maybe feel that anxiety. And so it's less about, like it says here, if your goal is to lose weight, it's usually not a motivating factor in the moment. Um, to maybe want to do that exercise, or it is because it's providing you anxiety, which again, you're then not getting really maybe the full benefit out of that specific movement and what that can do to you because you're so much more focused on, am I burning the right amount of calories? Am I doing the allotted amount of time? And it just provides a different experience than one that you could have, which is this makes me feel good in my body. Uh, This gives me energy. This gives me good endorphins. It helps me to sleep better, like things like that. Well, and all of that, because I know for myself that I get that anxiety if I don't. Yes. And plenty of people that I work with, it's like, oh, I'm feeling really, I'm in a negative space. And, and if you start to go down the checklist, what are you eating? Are you getting movement, exercise? Yeah. What is your sleep like? If you just start on those basic things, and I say basic like it's easy. It's not easy, but if you get yourself in the mindset of you are taking care of and nurturing your body the way that you would for something or someone else, it's kind of, again, like getting out of the mindset of I deserve to be punished because I'm bad for whatever reason. If you change that mindset of it doesn't have to be exercise. So like Christy said, you don't have to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do any sort of like, oh, I have to go take a class. No, you can take the steps once during the day. You could, you know, go outside and walk up and down your block. Well, and like when we worked downtown, we used to park at the farther away lot and right. then that was add just, a little bit of extra yeah. walk in it doesn't have to be oh i went and i worked out it can just be like christy said i parked a little bit further away so that i could walk these extra two or three blocks to my office mm-hmm. you know like you need what are ways that you can incorporate movement into your day it's always going to make you feel better just in general it's not about weight loss it's not about calorie burning it's about you taking good care of yourself and movement is part of that mm-hmm. I am also a huge fan of Spotify and dancing when you have to clean your house. Yeah. That's totally counts. Well, you know, I take my dance classes. I love my dance classes. Yes. That, I like, must, 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 must. There's so much fun. And to me, that's, like, not even, doesn't even feel like exercise mm-hmm. at all. Well, you know you're on the right track when you're scheduling your life around those things because, yes, if you find something you absolutely love, is there going to be something every now and again that gets in the way that you yeah. have to reschedule? Absolutely. But if you're consistently like coming up with an excuse not to go to something, again, look at what else is out there and yeah. kind of and but I know for a lot of people budgeting is a big thing too because mm-hmm. a lot of things cost money. So you can look at ways that you can budget to to incorporate that. Maybe you don't do an unlimited month, but you take two classes in that month. Mm-hmm. So well, get yeah, creative. Yeah, classes might not be your thing. It might be about doing something at home or finding a buddy because if that's motivating for some people or being able to do something at home is motivating for others. You have to work with what with what works for you. Yep. So the last one is honor your health. Gentle nutrition, make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel well. Remember, you don't have to eat a perfect diet to be healthy. You will not suddenly get a nutrient deficiency 
or gain weight from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating. It's what you eat consistently over time that matters. Progress, not perfection, is what counts. One of the favorite quotes that I think was from the actual book is, or it's really a question, not a quote, is asking yourself, am I eating out of love or am I eating out of fear? And when we're eating out of fear, that's often when we are either restricting a lot or we get into that binge mentality. If we're eating out of love and and it kind of like a respect for yourself, it's just going to kind of switch your mentality and maybe the thinking that you're doing about food and your relationship with food. Well, because when you're more in tune with yourself and what you want and where you're coming from, again, like you make the choices that are based on feeling good and eating too much of a bunch of crap doesn't feel good Mm -mm. but eating some crap every now and again is again moderation well and eating too much of a bunch of crap one one day is like while you're doing it hell yeah it's the after that you're like oh okay i need to be careful about how often i do that but it's a choice i do that Mm -hmm. i had a girl's night last weekend and I ate a bunch of food that was very delicious that I don't normally eat on a regular basis, nor do I eat that much of it. And that's also, that's kind of like the, um, the last supper mentality that also gets in my mentality even still today where I'm like, well, I'm here, there's all this food. I don't eat it very often. Yeah. Like, and I, I do, I, I eat to the point where I overeat and to the extent that the next day I'm still so full, I barely eat anything. And so that's also something that I'm continuing to work on, which is I don't need to have that last supper mentality. I can enjoy these things and not overeat and not go past my fullness, right? And respect all those things. So intuitive eating is not a hard line. It is something that it's it's a work in progress. Just like all the things that we talk about, we're constantly trying to manage that balance right i always picture scales they never really stay steady or stop moving they're constantly going back and forth we're constantly working on creating balance and that applies to our relationship with food too well thank you for listening to conversations to connect with christy and gretchen if you like our show want more information and want to connect with us go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on instagram We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.